So quick heads up, uh, I had apparently some audio problems when we recorded this episode that we did not realize until just now getting around to editing this thing. Uh, So hopefully it doesn't bother you as much as it bothers me just because you know, I mean, listening to your own voice and hearing what you hear and whatnot, but still an awesome episode. We obviously have hopefully fixed it for future episodes and uh, yeah, we'll uh, get going. The following podcast is rated R for really filthy. It includes adult themes and explicit content. So if you're an adult who happens to like themes directly targeting your sexy demographic, then get ready to join us as we ship it good. Due to the themes discussed on this podcast, it may contain potentially triggering content. Please visit our episode description to review the warnings applicable to this episode. I know that you love my voice, but there comes a point where, do you know when that voice (laughs) runs out of useful things to say? Yes. It just becomes, like, do you just want me to sit here and read the phone book? Because I'll do it. Yes. My shopping list, literally anything. And The weather on Wednesday will be (laughs) mostly sunny with chances (laughs) of amnesia and the inability to continue a human conversation. (laughs) Good, good, good. Hello, listeners. Welcome (laughs) back to Care of Magical Shippers. I don't know why I'm singing. Let's let's be real. I'm not singing, but... uh, probably because last time you uh, you you sang two beautiful songs I'd, for I'd, to marry. Yeah, I I don't have ones for this week, and I don't know if that's a, a blessing or a curse. Oh no, but we <laughs> we we did do. Uh, oh, Lenny, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Liddy. <laughs> hey, <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm Megs. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. And uh, in case you hadn't gathered by now, my name is Nathan, and I'm I'm here to talk to you about this thing we call fan fiction. <laughs> this week we're discussing. Well, you could call it Linny. You could call it Jaluna. <laughs> Jaluna. Yeah. Just, just call it whatever you want. I'm. I. We. We've had a week, so we're we're uh, we're just calling it whatever we like right now, and. I am um, excited about this pairing. I do love this pairing because my main reason for it, and I think everyone's going to have guessed this ahead of time, but it's because Harry and Ginny together is so boring. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> yes! So yeah. dull. I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry if you ship Harry and Ginny, you have my unreserved apologies. Yes. But... However, I, like they're not boring characters, but I think they're boring together because mm-hmm. they they work to sort of nullify each other's best qualities. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, interesting. And kind of like what, you know, pulling off of when we had did the Haramayani like Golden Trio thing, we kind of we already went through that of how Harry and Ginny, it's kind of like the safe end of the story, perfect ending sort of thing. But mm. 
with Linny, of course, what we find, which I'm really excited about, is it's it's one of those ships that we expect or is like, so especially with like dreary stories, it's always dreary with Ramione and Linny. And yeah. I love that. Like it's it's just collectively accepted that when Ginny and Harry don't work out, it's because they both realize that they're gay and then go in their journeys and separately. And so it's like, oh yeah, Harry's supposed to be with Draco. And then of course Ginny's supposed to be with Luna because why not? I mean, they've been through so much together and it's just, I think it's beautiful to see the two of them. And especially when it comes around to everything they had been through, the end of the war if we get into the end of book seven and looking at at after everything obviously Ginny in particular has a lot of <sighs> trauma to go through i mean sure. losing losing fred um just having been through a war period yeah and seeing yeah. all the death and and things like that and luna had been through that beforehand we saw in the fifth book with harry and luna being the only ones able to see the thestrals she saw her mother die which you have to imagine is one of the most traumatic things that you could experience. And she yeah. lived through that and learned how to process it. And she's obviously still a very like positive and outgoing and just is willing to see the best and believe in literally anything that has any sort of positive effect on people. And that just makes her presence in any sort of, for any character that's going through something traumatic, like even, um, what was it? <laughs> In the, I was just trying to remember in the in the seventh book, doesn't she say something to distract everyone so that Harry can like slip away? Um. Oh, she's I like, should... oh, hey, a what a snorkack or something like that, and everyone, that. yes, everyone yes. looks off, and then Harry's like slips under his cloak or whatever, and is able to like go off and either with Ron and Hermione or I'm not sure. I'm sorry, I forgot. I'm a terrible fan, but yeah. I'm pretty sure she's just someone that can be relied upon, and I see Ginny as this really strong character that. Yeah, when it comes to Harry and Ginny, they're both so independently strong people that when they come together, it's not it's not like they have the potential to really lift each other up whereas I see Ginny and Luna being able to do that. There's two there's qualities from each of them that can only benefit each other, which I really love. Absolutely. I mean, I think you're right. Luna did learn how to process her mother's death. Uh, from a, like from a really young age, but she processed it in a way that, with the best will in the world, Luna's reality isn't the same as everybody yeah. else's reality. She's sort of she's present, but she's also slightly disassociated from the the world, and that gives her a unique edge and a unique mm -hmm. vision to things. But it also impacts on her ability to really be part of the world in the same way as a lot of other people might. And this, I think, is where Ginny can really, like, balance her out because mm -hmm. Ginny is this, uh, especially, like, I'm talking here about book Ginny because film Ginny really doesn't get oh, enough... I know. ...enough to do. She just doesn't get enough to do. It's not even a slight on Bonnie Wright's acting. Oh, for it's sure. A, it's uh, it's more of a comment on they that they just made her so one note. But in the book, you know, she's this incredible, dynamic, funny, witty, mm -hmm. talented um, person who has... What does she call her pygmy puff? Is it... Arnold. Um, 
Arnold, with, yes. who has this little pygmy puff. And I, I imagine that Arnold is like for some reason I imagine him with a, like a little a little mohawk like she has <laughs> she she is she's full on you know wearing the boots she's got the dragon hide boots on yes. she's letting her her long hair flow she's living her sort of punk rock like almost like Hagrid on the motorbike fantasy but not yes. quite well I see potentially like her going sort of the bill route I feel like when you're yeah. the the youngest of what is it how many how many brothers we have Charlie Bill Percy the twins so and I think Ron. it's seven seven brothers is it seven brothers and then Ginny six brothers yeah we we know canon we we know what we're talking see the problem is like i did used to be i used to be such a canon nerd i know same lately i've read so much fan fiction that what starts to happen to your brain is the boundaries get blurred and you're like wait did this happen in the books or did i read that like was this someone else's genius idea that i that it's now head canon like it it happens to everyone that gets invested in fanfic i'm sure but i'm sorry guys I just don't know anymore. I don't know. We know nothing. We podcast over. We know nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't need to do this anymore. We're sorry. We're sorry. We wasted your time. Anyway, <laughs> it's six. It's definitely six. <laughs> Are you anyway. sure though? Are you absolutely yes, sure? I, I am. Am I just making up a fake Weasley brother? I need to know. <laughs> What was it? B- uh, Barney Weasley was who Harry <laughs> yes. was at the wedding. Yes, the cousin. <laughs> I made up Barney. Barney. Yep, he fits yeah. in there for yeah. sure. Okay. Um, yeah. But having six older brothers, just having gone through the teasing, um, the pranks, especially between the twins and Ron, and her skin has to be so thick having grown up around that. And one would, it's obviously not guaranteed but one could think that that helped her grow and give her the strength that she does have and when you mentioned like the punk rock vibe like I could see her admiring Bill so much and I think that that is kind of shown on her aversion so much to him marrying Fleur because she probably idolizes him to some extent and then to see him go with some froofy frilly full of herself person instead of Tonks, who she thinks Tonks is super cool. She could change her hair and her face and do all this stuff. And so, yeah, I could totally see that. Not that she's necessarily tomboyish, but just kind of just has like a a harder edge to her and then you have Luna who's just like floaty and and living life just just so whimsical and I love that. She has this ethereal, almost fey quality to her that yeah. is that I can see. I, so one of the interactions I keep seeing of the pairing in my head is that like uh, Ginny, who has talked to Tonks about uh, like magic to change her hair, even though she's not a, a metamorph magus, she's right. obviously gone to the. She's been like, "How can I make my hair a bajillion colors? I have yes. to know. I I need this magic like right now, yesterday." And so Ginny is just there practicing this while Luna is busy picking raxbirds out of yes. her hair. Yes, yes, exactly. Oh, absolutely. Oh, man. And now that I think it's funny you say that, I wonder if there's any, uh, I don't know that it's relevant, but of course I think about it with her interest in changing appearance. I wonder if she has any aversion to her hair color. 
Oh, yes. Some people, like especially redheads or, you know, with the family of just like flaming red hair. Like if she, sure. I don't know. I don't know where it, where it matters, but it just was, it was just something I was curious about. But, oh, so the, the, on Luna, it's funny, even though we talked about Fleur and I'm sure that there probably is fic like this and now I need to look for it. But because of Luna's personality and how she's kind of described as like has the like light blonde hair and she's, you know, pale skin. And I wonder what if she was part Vila? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that could be really interesting as well. Or she could be what happens. Maybe her mother was experimenting with like Vila hair with mm. her magical experiments. And then mm. one day, like in, in the catastrophe, like Luna gets caught up in it and it just becomes <gasps> like part of her DNA or something. Oh like, my gosh. Now we're getting into like sci-fi, like, oh, like DNA, whatever, like transformation. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I would buy that. I also think like going back to what you said about like, does Ginny have a, a problem with their hair colour. I mean, it sounds trivial, but I think we all can have that thing where if you've grown up with a stigma, any mm-hmm. sort of stigma, you can really feel like, at times anyway, that that can become like a millstone. And who better to free Ginny from the, the sort of the trappings of stigma than Luna, who is just so off in her own world yes. that these things don't touch her. It's like water off a duck's back. It, she's, yes. she's, so, she's so unfocused on, uh, on reality that she's, in a way, she's like hyper-focused on the world she wants to live in. And I think Ginny could look up to that in a way and, and admire that about her. That's what I'd like to read anyway. <laughs> Well, because what you say that, and it's almost like she doesn't she doesn't let the negative affect anything. It's like it doesn't even resonate with her at all. She's just like, oh yeah, my shoes went missing. Oh yeah, yeah. they call me that. It's whatever. Like it's not a big deal. It doesn't change who she is. But when mm-hmm. it comes to positive things, she just. I feel like she thrives in it. I mean, you think about the portraits that she does in her room, like realistic portraits of all of her friends. And it's just friends, 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 friends. For her to have something that she probably was without for several years up until fifth year, you would imagine that it's almost been four and a half some odd years of mm-hmm. a lot of kind of loneliness and then her her and her dad are close but then obviously her dad is on his own exactly now. yeah so it's just the two of them and the the da makes a huge um helps both of them grow actually that's really when we see more of Ginny and her personality and that's how we get to know luna and they have that shared experience together so for them to move forward based off of canon makes so much sense because they had experienced from when we met her so many things together i mean they even went to the ministry to help harry and ron and of the few people we have Ginny, luna and neville that hop on with them and want to be a part of it and to come out of that i mean they were there they saw sirius die they Ginny yeah. broke her ankle i mean ron was attacked i mean imagine all that trauma they had been through and that's just in one specific thing and so that's already something that's kind of bonding all of them together and when it comes to 
when the trio leave, then it's just, it's Neville and Luna and Ginny are the ones that are kind of, quote unquote, continuing the DA's work and fighting against the new Hogwarts regime. The regime. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And I love that. I just, so that shows their closeness, you know, as friends for all three of them, but obviously as that romantic journey moving forward of when you're, when you're just the two slash three, you know, three of you, you build a deeper bond than it's just, oh yeah, we're all friends. Like we're all at the table, we all hang out. Um, But I can imagine them having some real deep conversations together. And that is the potential to for them moving forward as a romantic unit. And then of course, after everything happens, 100%, they can understand exactly what's going on and be together and have that yeah have that support from luna definitely what i've seen in a lot of these fics is it's a very hurt comfort is like probably the number one trope or focus for this because a lot of it is heavy on post-war trauma for Ginny in particular and how she learns how to feel again through luna so that is Yeah, I think a really powerful thing. But I also feel like Luna's character development isn't really talked about a lot. But if you think about it, the same book where she does the ministry battle is the book that she's introduced in. I mean, she she is such a huge character to the franchise. And we don't even, we're not even introduced to her until book five. So then she is, she's introduced as this really sort of scatterbrained character that everybody makes fun of. But then by the end of, of book five, she's cemented as this uh, stalwart figure of, the Mm -hmm. DA, who is, in her own way, an absolute heroine. And, you know, for someone who can have, like you say, have the the big friend portraits in her room. I mean, we typically ascribe qualities like that to the Hufflepuffs. We'd say, oh yeah, Hufflepuffs, uh, it tends to be, you know, the the house of, of... where friendship is is first you know yes. it's loyalty it's definitely, mm-hmm. yeah it's the it's the house of the the people you know <laughs> the house it, of it, the people yes. it, it's it's the most utilitarian hogwarts house right yes so but she's she, but luna herself has gone through this massive transformation because she's grown up really lonely she's only had her dad she spent mostly four years we we assume being picked on at school and then all of a sudden she has this club which is spearheaded by a guy she's really only heard stories about and then at the end she becomes part of the story and yes. it it stops being something that is is whispered about and gossiped about at the breakfast table at the great hall and it starts becoming like a part of her life so you're right when you say you know it's trauma at the ministry but it's also she's growing into her own heroism and her own sense of self and in a way that makes me also think she could grow towards Ginny because she's learning how to be more of a more of an approachable person as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah for sure Ugh, and I, ugh, I just love how even in the in the in the dungeon, like when they go to Malfour Manor, obviously they have the quibbler, which makes sense. The quibbler is promoting all this anti-Harry material, and that 
well, they have to after they come to Xenophilius' house to stop him from saying positive things. They take Luna away and she's there. She's in this cell for we don't know how long. As far as we know, she was taken off the train. It had been months. And she's there with Dean for who knows how long and then uh, mm-hmm. Ollivander. And even when they show up and see her down there, like she's not broken. She's not... She's just, she's Luna. She's just like, yeah, I've just been in this dungeon for potentially months, like not knowing if and when I'll get out of here and just is all concerned about everyone else. Like she doesn't even think about her own well-being at all. Yeah, it's like she almost lives in a sort of perpetual state of Zen Buddhist Mm -hmm. calm, where it's like no matter what happens to the external world that I can't influence, I can always influence my own reaction to it. So I always Mm -hmm. feel like Luna, she might, like, we know she must be feeling terrible, but she's, she has this incredible strength to be so, so present for Mr. Ollivander, who's there and being tortured Mm -hmm. for information. And Mm -hmm. she has the nous to, to, to comfort him. And I think, you know, it shows incredible strength of character. And again, Luna's not one of the characters that we necessarily get a lot of words from. She doesn't Mm -hmm. get a lot of, I don't know what the the sort of the novel equivalent of screen time is, but whatever that is, those words are escaping me, but whatever that is, she doesn't get a lot of book time. Mm -hmm. But comparatively, it's those moments when we do see her are so much more powerful because it's not she isn't just there like Trelawney. I want to I want to contrast her to Trelawney here, where um, Trelawney, even though she makes a lot of correct predictions, she's this very you know larger than life shawl swirling sherry swilling, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, uh, seer who is who is like always obsessed about, uh, you know, seeming misty and dramatic and prophesying mm-hmm. every every five minutes. And Luna is, in a way, she the, the, there's a sort of, in the Venn diagram with Trelawney, there's some overlap where they're both, they both have this spaced out quality to them. But Luna's not, Luna doesn't do it for attention. Luna inhabits that world because that's who she's been forced to be. Because when you almost when you see trauma that young, I imagine the the mental reaction to that would be, I need to find a way to cope. And she has learned to grow with herself in this really, let's call it non-traditional way. Mm-hmm. Well, how much did she have to carry her dad? Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. like how did he... I mean, that happens a lot, you know, and I mean, I see in a lot of books or movies or things like that. It's the parents obviously have lost their partner, not that have losing a parent isn't as powerful, but a lot of times you see the kids feeling like they have to be the strong one. So I feel like that really probably could have developed her character too. If her dad had problems with it, she had to be his rock to help him through it too. So she probably grew up very quickly from a young age. So having things, trivial things bother her is just, it just is, wouldn't be expected because she's seen the worst, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And and I think that's a really good point. Like we're keyed in to the fact that Luna has a really different set of priorities. 
Mm-hmm. And they don't always make sense to us when, you know, like when we're introduced to her, we're like, okay, so she just wears uh, bigger butter corks and she, yes. you know, and, and spec to specs. Turn up earrings and yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, did I say bigger butter? Butter beer corks. What, <laughs> beer? what am I saying? What are words? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did that. I am a Harry Potter fan, ladies and gentlemen. I have read these books, I swear. There are seven Weasley brothers. There's... I, I, I made up a Weasley brother. I can't say Butterbeer. What else am I going to do? I mean, tune in, tune in next time when I won't remember Harry's name or I'll, or I'll call her Harmononinini. Yeah, Harmononinini. Her, Hermione. <laughs> Let us go find the quiet place in the library. I don't know why I'm Russian. Shut up, Nathan. <laughs> oh my God. We will go find quiet place in library to eat borscht. <laughs> Tell me, Hermione, have you ever been to Siberia? Oh God. Okay, I can't. I- yeah. Okay. I, there was a. There was, so that <laughs> happened. Yeah. That... <laughs> yes. So anyway, so my my point was, I think that even though she has a really differently structured series of priorities, that happens because she's faced trauma young. So because she's seen the worst, she almost ha- like when when other things happen to other people that might be that might knock them off center or might devastate them she's able to meet it with a sort of a calm and a dignity that it would take other characters a while to grow into mm-hmm. and i feel that this is where ginny comes into it because i feel like ginny is such a fun loving warm person that she could help luna grow into that side of herself because i f- i feel like there's an awful lot of Luna that we, like a side to Luna that we don't see in the books, which I think Luna has a really like playful, mischievous side as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, she has to, being so tuned into her own like childlike spirit in a way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Ginny can unlock that for her. And that's one of the things that I want to read in a, in their pairing. Well, I want to read about their sixth year at Hogwarts. When yes. they're not there, it's literally Ginny, Luna, and Neville, and they're the ones causing mayhem. And how much of that is ri- like ridiculous ideas of Luna's? Like, who knows what random things she could come up with that's that they just do and collectively as a team it just that takes so much strength in and of itself to stand up to essentially death eaters who are torturing students and all of this and they're still doing it anyway i just i want to know how it's like for them because i feel like they there's so much growth of theirs that continued that we don't see until like the final battle when we meet neville again and neville's like like hey look at me i'm a badass now this whole year because I knew that you'd come back and want to take everything down so we've been warming it up for you but yeah I just I would love that and I think I had mentioned okay so I had mentioned to you before and I need to talk about it again so they use the coins obviously to try and get a hold of anyone who would still have the coins which of course were Luna 
and Neville and Ginny. Yeah. So I'd imagine that they would still be using those coins. Yes. In sixth year. And of course, they're not like the tree. Who knows? I doubt anyone else would have even thought to keep them. I'm sure everyone else in the DA, either they're in some box somewhere or a trunk or because they're not invested yeah, because they're not invested in it. But the trio, obviously, at least Hermione, they still have them, but not necessarily on them. So they obviously have to be having some sort of communication through that because because Neville is in the boys' dormitory, Ginny's in the girls' Gryffindor dormitory, and then Luna is in the Ravenclaw girls' dormitory. So yeah. there's some way that they have to scheme and plan things. And I would like to think that Ginny and Luna just like kind of pivot from planning their you know disasters and fighting to just casual conversation and like playful flirting and falling asleep talking to one another just like you know and you you you're on the phone with your whatever tweeny significant other and you just like fall asleep on the phone together as like i did way back when when that was (laughs) that was still a thing using the landline and (laughs) And just twirling twirling the cord in your finger you know just the wild the time away well <laughs> i i love that idea so much and i love the the sort of the concept of maybe neville being a third wheel to it like constantly being caught in the middle but i i did think as well that eventually they might want to adapt the technique so that they could send longer messages because i imagine like after a while you you won't be, really be able to say much with the coin and plus it, it heats up as well and or it did heat up when when a new message or a new time got added so i imagine that after a while or particularly if you're in class or whatever it's going to get uncomfortable so i was thinking about this and i thought what if they had what if they built on the the sort of the idea that the two-way mirrors have except in the books when luna is supporting harry in quidditch she wears this outlandish hat that has like a lion lion on it yes and i imagine that she made another one for Ginny, and they (laughs) and they talk to and like when one person is wearing the hat that that it like somehow anyway they both figure out how to like they can use the coins to be like put the hat on and then when they're both wearing the hat they can talk to each other oh my goodness well that is way more interesting than my guess which would be Ginny being inspired by tom riddle's diary and how you could write in that and (laughs) and then it obviously wipes things away so that you no one else can read it it's essentially you're using it in the moment and then however much time everything disappears exactly it's like wizard snapchat yes because i could see her one being smart enough to be able to develop magic like that and obviously spending almost a year interacting with a magical object of that sort i feel like she could come up with the concept also the uh the the twins are still actively working, right? Like Weasley's Wizard Wheezes is yeah. still a thing. In and sixth year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she could obviously be like coordinating with the twins to help figure out some sort of alternative magic or tool because when they go to check out Weasley's Wizard Wheezes initially, I mean, even Hermione is like, wow, this is amazing magic. Like they just can come up with crazy things. I just think the potential there for her to have 
made even like duplicate kind of even like little folios or something that they can just write into and then just completely disappears if someone was to like take it or it just looks like a plain I guess notebook or something like yeah. that a bit like the Marauders map as well. Yes, they're, yes. They're bound to have seen that. I mean, do they They know that it exists because they use it to get to and from the Room of Requirement, don't... No, they use it to see if anyone's coming towards the Room of Requirement when they're all leaving. And that's how they know to avoid, like, filch. And um, so they know, they know the map exists. Okay, so they know that that sort of magic is possible. See, this is possible in canon. We, we, we... <laughs> We're not just like pulling this out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one thing I love that I've also read is of course we ex- we expect that Ginny goes on to be, you know, a Quidditch player, professional Quidditch player. And mm-hmm. then Luna becomes a magizoologist so that she yes. goes around to like search for creatures and and ultimately either a trying to find things that don't exist still believing that they exist but what if she finally reaches a point where she realizes everything that she believed was not real and Mm -hmm. how that could affect her and having jenny as someone to kind of support her through that situation could be really interesting like she'd need someone to to help with that otherwise she's just continues like i don't know maybe in this lifetime if not i know they're still out there (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i i don't think that's entirely unrealistic i mean i think uh all we've all had those moments where you know you have to come to terms with something in your life that you'd really rather not face and i almost i i I do want to read it, but I almost think it's cruel to do it to Luna because she's so she's just such a lovable character yes. that that you almost don't want to see her hurt again. But then again, if you offset that against Ginny and the sort of the 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 like laughter that they could have out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, see, I, I'm glad you brought up this sort of post-Hogwarts scenario because it brings me on to what I would love to read. And that is, you know, Ginny's going off and having her Quidditch career and mm-hmm. Luna's, uh, you know, doing her magizoology thing or not. Or, you know, maybe she's pursuing uh, some form of journalism, uh, following in her dad's footsteps. I could see her as an artist for sure. Definitely. And maybe like as an illustrator for children's books, for like wizarding oh, fairy tales. That would be so cute. And of course... It would be hilarious because she could use all these creatures that she thinks are real, but then like all these kids are she like, could make oh, the yeah, tails these- up. Oh my god, she could be the new um, Beetle the Bard. That's who she is now in my head. Um, mm-hmm. And she could, like you say, use her knowledge of all of these magical creatures that may or may not be imagined. We're not sure, and and make all of these stories for the kids, which would be amazing. But the one, the central tenet that I think would keep them together is this thing where, because in my head, they both have really independent lives from each other. They're not, they're not living in each other's pockets. You know, Ginny is probably a a really famous international Quidditch star, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and she's doing her own thing and Luna's doing her own thing. But then I imagine they, they like pick a day 
once a week where they will flew to each other and get together and like just talk about everything like mm-hmm. i feel like that they're the they're the the couple that reasons out the world by either bitching about people yes <laughs> or, or like talking up other people um encouraging maybe encouraging other people to get together maybe setting up neville with somebody mm-hmm. they they have that quality where it's like mischief meets good intentions meets mirth meets mm-hmm. mayhem i see it happening and yes. that that is their get togethers their little well it's not necessarily clandestine because people will know they're together but yeah. i imagine that they like they pick quiet secret places to meet because it's cuter mm-hmm. that way that's how yeah. it works in my head right or even like they're they're so if luna's traveling and then she's traveling for her Quidditch career. It's so nice that they could potentially flew or apparate to see each other once a week. I love that. I mean, if that's the life that they're dealing with, but I could see obviously them coming together. They're like, missed you, have their, you know, sexy time together. And then pillow talk could actually be very deep because you know that Luna is 100% open and truthful. And I feel like it would help Ginny open up and be able to just like spill out anything and everything that either is weighing on her or is excited about. Luna would easily celebrate with her as far as her wins with Quidditch or if there's any drama with her teammates because you know when a bunch of of girls are together that there's got to be some drama that's going on. And uh, I could also see a fic where she's with Luna and of course, there's probably some teammate who's super into Ginny and is trying to convince her how weird Luna is and how she deserves so much better. And Ginny's just like, shut the fuck up. I have the best thing. Like, you have no yeah. idea what you're talking about. And I just, that's just, I want to see her continue standing up for her and just being like, no, you, you cannot convince me otherwise. You have no idea what she's done. Exactly. And in terms of like Ginny growing into her best self with Luna, the way I see that working is what's great about Luna is she has no ulterior motive. She's always coming from a place of being Luna. So there's Mm -hmm. never any agenda. There's no like Ginny would never have to second guess herself if she's feeling down or whatever. She -hmm. could just tell Luna off the bat. And there's no like... I I find it hard to believe that if anyone is honest with Lunich that she would take that to heart badly. You know, mm-hmm. she has such she's she always sets up such good managed expectations of other people that mm-hmm. but that I honestly think that Ginny could rant and rave and like get everything out of her system that she needed to if and if and where applicable and luna would still love her for it and she'd be like yes. um, i'm glad you got all the nargles out of your brain yeah. <laughs> 100% i just uh, i just love i just picture them together and it's just is so beautiful to think about like them just like holding hands and spending time at the weasleys for family dinners and with like spending time with 
whatever the other relationships are with Ron and Hermione and Neville with whoever he ends up with. And I mean, potentially if it was Neville and Harry and then Ron and Hermione and Luna and Ginny, imagine that like friend dynamic where everyone finds them, their partner within that small DA group, I guess you could say. That's kind of interesting to think about a Harry Neville involved in this instead of the whole Harry Draco thing. Harry, Harry, like, I don't want to go too off topic because (laughs) I I will go down a rabbit hole. But Harry Neville is so wholesome that I will, we will need to talk about this at some point in the far, far future because I know that we don't, I know that we don't have that scheduled yet. So if you're holding (laughs) out, I know if you're holding out for that, dear listener, you'll be holding out for a while. But don't worry because. I want to talk about it, so we will be coming back to it. (laughs) Don't worry. Um, But yes, I I do think it's... I I just... I love the idea of... I like really any pairing with Neville, I think, Mm -hmm. because Neville in the books comes across as someone who is constantly uh, looked over in terms Mm -hmm. of... Like Luna. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for someone who has maybe better magical ability. And then it transpires that part of the reason why Neville has been so comparatively rubbish at magic is because he's been using his dad's wand. Mm -hmm. Um, So so he's been labouring under an inherited bias, which he could also have been if he'd been the chosen one. And that's why Harry Neville works so well, because Harry is the chosen one. And, the, yes. you know, let's let's shift this discussion to, to that future episode we may or may not be talking about. <laughs> but, like... I I love it so much. I don't care that I'm going off on a tangent. That I know no. I know our listeners will love it. I don't I yeah. Whatever. I, I, Whatever. It, we don't care. It's our it's our podcast. We can say what we want. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I just see them like at like whether Harry has, you know, has Grimold place and spruces it up and makes it nice and warm and I could just see Ron and Hermione and Lit and Linny. <laughs> Luna and Ginny coming over and Neville and them just having their friend dinners together and it just them moving forward obviously in their separate romantic lives but still together like they're they have this lifelong bond that they can move forward with that you don't they don't lose each other which I love that you think of after school you have your friends and people go off and find their own lives and go different Mm -hmm. ways if all of them kind of were obviously finding themselves and doing their own thing, but still able to come together. Because we see that with the Golden Trio, but I think as far as the mini DA group, I think that's just as strong, which I think is great. And Harry and Ginny realizing how much better they are as friends um, and being completely understanding and cool with not being together again. It's like, we tried it, you know, she had this romantic idea of being with this, you know, person she idolized ever since she was really young, and they're just realizing they needed something completely different, and I just, I just love how wholesome that is, it's just, Ginny and Luna are meant to be together post everything, I mean. Yes, they are. People will put Ginny with Dean just because we like we know we know it. It it was a thing. We kind of expect it. And Dean's a good guy. I mean, he goes through everything too to have him come back in the picture makes sense. But I think it's just 
it's like a safe pivot. Like, oh yeah, okay, if it's not going to work out with Harry, it's going to work out with Dean or something like with an old boyfriend or something like that. It's like, no, Luna. Yes, but as well as that, didn't we find out in the books that like Dean was being really possessive of Ginny and that's why they broke up? Was it was he being possessive or he was, was he was he jealous? I think it was just yeah, he start was starting to get jealous and I think she was kind of falling out of it because she just kind of started getting annoyed with him, like snipping like yeah. he was helping her through the portrait hole and she's like, I can get through but on my own. It's like he was just trying to to be nice but i think she was ready to move on and just it wasn't because you know when you when you just you fall out uh you know with those feelings or somebody it's just it's it's just Linny just makes the most sense it's it's wholesome it's beautiful it's support it's growth it's everything that both of the them deserve like they deserve the future that builds with Linny for sure <laughs> I feel like it works because they're not just attracted to each other for one reason. They mm-hmm. work together emotionally. They fit together because they've been through the same traumas. Mm-hmm. It it just works. So I guess now the main question, do you go down with this ship? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this is a ship that will really polarize people. Um, mm-hmm. I think you either love this ship or you hate it. Uh, there's no, there's no standing at half mast. <laughs> you, yes. you know, you're, you're either, you're either absolutely sky high with it or not. I am definitely sky high for them. I, I feel like, I mean, if you couldn't have already guessed, <laughs> but I feel, <laughs> I feel like they, they've both been through so much, and they're both such different people. But that is exactly why they work together. And what I want to see, like I, I could say this about most of, you know, everybody at Hogwarts that gets together. But what I love to see is what happens afterwards. Like Hogwarts was the sort of the furnace that galvanized everything, you know, and the yes. and the war and everything. But I want to know how these, um, you know, young adults become. Like mature people and what mm-hmm. that what those lives are like because that that excites me and I can see that happening for Linny so mm-hmm. that's why I ship it. God, that was a real <laughs> that was a really long answer. Just like, I was like, I was yes, like, I do, and here's all the reasons why that we just <laughs> talked about. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna spend seven and a half minutes recapping something yes, we've exactly. already done because I because I can. Yes. Once again, our podcast, not your podcast. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Well, for me, I definitely, I wouldn't say like I ship it. Like it's not one that I would go and be like, okay, like I'm, I'd be excited to read Lenny Fick or be invested in the ship. But I, I see it as the ship that makes sense for them. Like as a side pairing, I love them in, cause I read a lot of just slash fic Harry Draco or whatever. And then when Ginny and Luna are together, it's right. Like it feels right. I mean, you'll see Ginny with Neville too. Like that's also something where when she splits off with Harry and gets with Neville, which I could, I could see definitely. But when it's Ginny and Luna, it's, it's like, it feels like that's how it's supposed to be. It's just 
kind of normal. It's expected to me. So, I mean, I I ship it, like, obviously, but as far as being invested in it enough to be, like, super passionate about it or learn more about it, I, it's just, it's, it's fine <laughs> for me. Like, I'd say... <laughs> It exists, and I love that. <laughs> yeah, you aren't you aren't flying off into the stratosphere with it, but you're not sinking yes. it either. You're yes. like like because there are some ships that we need to torpedo, and we'll maybe not talk about those on the pod. But like <laughs> some ships, you're just like no, that that will never. Work. <laughs> Unlike the timeless, the timeless unity of Hagrid. And his umbrella. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. That's going to be a thing every episode. It's just, it's going to be a thing. So now that we're wrapping up Linny, I'm really excited to get into next time. One of Nathan's OTPs. We are doing Wolfstar. Yes. We're finally doing it. I'm so excited. We're doing Wolfstar. Oh, yay. (laughs) And this one is going to be great because we have two Wolfstar episodes for you. So the next four weeks are all going to be on about Wolfstar. So definitely reach out to us. Give us more of your recommendations. Tell us why you love it. It's a big ship. So we know you have plenty to say about this. You know, we we want all of it. Um, so our first episode, actually, we were able to get a guest on. We invited Big Black Dog on to talk about her works. She has a beautiful collection of fic, lots of AU, very interesting uh, perspectives on Wolfstar. And it was such an amazing conversation. We talked about so much. She's wonderful. We cannot wait to share that with you. Yeah. Oh, it was such a wonderful experience. Oh, I'm so excited. I I can't wait. Like, can we be four weeks ahead already so they can listen? Right. I, I'm so I know. excited. <laughs> oh, and it's gonna be so great. I guess we're those people now that do interviews. Are, are we? Yes. Are we professional now? Is this, is this what we? Yeah. Is this what we do? Um, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, yeah that sounds yeah, apparently. Fun. Yeah, come, come and listen to that because, uh, like, we we had a, an absolute blast recording it. I mean, I say mm-hmm. that about every week, but it, this was tremendous. And you know, yeah. getting an author on and getting to feature someone who is so passionate about the ship themselves, getting to ask mm-hmm. them questions about like how they write that ship, getting into the the creative space for it. Oh, it was such mm-hmm. a it was such a privilege and and a real pleasure and I can't wait for you to hear it so be sure to come listen to that very very soon Mm -hmm. and we'll drop her profile link in the description so definitely check out her work it is fantastic and yeah so get ready and get hyped for Wolfstar and we cannot wait see you then bye bye Hey, it's Megs again. Just wanted to let you know about another Harry Potter podcast called Snape Chat. So this podcast is all about, as you would expect, Severus Snape and dives into him as a character, the movies and representations, unpacking him in all realms of the character, meta. I actually got to guest host on the most recent episode about fan fiction. So if you're interested about fan fiction in general, I mean, we obviously get into Snape too, uh, head over to Snape Chat and check out episode three. I'm also going to 
to be recording an episode on Snary with Snape-centric, and that is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. So definitely keep your ears open for that one as well. Uh, So give it a a look-see and a listen, and I can't wait for you to hear it. While you're waiting for the next episode, all the shipping fun can continue online. You can head over to all of our social media platforms like Magical Ship Pod on Twitter and Instagram and Care of Magical Shippers on Tumblr. You can get in touch with us by email at careofmagicalshippers at gmail.com or you can leave us a voice message with all of your ship and fic thoughts and feels and have the chance to be featured on a future pod episode. We are also live on Patreon. Patrons have access to early episodes, bonus content, extended uncut episodes with all of our nonsense, ficlets written by me, exclusive merch, and a patron discord. Another easy way to show your love for the pod is by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. And thank you so much for listening.